We want to read our scripture lessons for today, tonight. Our Old Testament passage, which is the main passage we'll be looking at, or speaking from, is Exodus 14, verses 10 through 18, and then chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. This is the, uh, the children of Israel are on the way from Egypt to the Promised Land, but they, the Egyptian army is right behind them, and they're caught between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. So listen here to God's word. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. And so they do all that, and then we're on the other side of the Red Sea, chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, the song. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Amen. Amen. And then our... Uh, first New Testament text is from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Just one little verse. Again, listen here to God's Word. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you through His poverty might become rich. Amen. And then our last text is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Again, listen here to God's Word. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Amen. Let's just take a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's Word, which we've read. Oh, Father, we are here tonight, and it's been good to hear words of testimony from your people. It's good to have things reverberate in our own hearts and minds, and uh, as other have, others have spoken. But now, Lord, we ask for you through the preached Word to speak into our hearts more and to give us grace to hear and feed us on that hidden manna, that good 
grain that will satisfy our souls and build us up. That, Lord, you may be glorified through our lives and through the words of our lips. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Israelites were between the devil and the deep blue sea. Well, no, not the devil, really, but the Egyptians in the deep blue sea, right? But we have that expression. But that's what they felt like. They, had, they were in a particular canyon. Now, uh, they had come out of Egypt. And here's an interesting thing. If you go to your, the maps section of your Bible, they never show the crossing of the Red Sea. Did you ever notice that? That's one of the things that's, that's never there. They have gone through the Sea of Reeds or these other stuff. They crossed, I've taught this maybe 10 or 15 years ago, the, the Gulf of Aqaba, up just on the northern edge of the, of the Red Sea. The, up there is where they crossed. But they were in a, in a canyon, and they couldn't go either side. And behind them come the Egyptians' army, and before them was the Red Sea. They said, what are we going to do? They're in a tough spot. And what happens there is a eucatastrophe. Isn't that a wonderful word? How many here have heard eucatastrophe before? One, two, boy, I tell you, bunch of ignoramuses, if you ask me. I hadn't heard of it until I was in confirmation uh, in class, and Ben Walmsley used it with me. That was the name of his rock band. <laughs> it was. This is like, you know, what, eight, nine years ago? And, uh, well, what is a eucatastrophe, Ben? And he says, well, J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, they're the ones who coined that. And it's, it's what a catastrophe is, is when things are going downhill, 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 then all of a sudden, unexpectedly, out of who knows where, it turns, and what was a catastrophe becomes a catastrophe. Now, uh, EU, the, in front of that, is the Greek word that means good. You should know that. So if you have, when Gail's funeral is here, we're going to have a eulogy, E-U-L-O-G-Y, a good word. A, uh, now, Planned Parenthood doesn't do this, but they're big in eugenics. And that means you, you, good birth. So only good people are allowed to be birthed. If you're not a good person, they're going to abort you. We're off topic here, but that's just so we know what. Uh, other, Bob likes to play horns. There's a euphonium. You ever heard of a euphonium? It makes a good sound. And our very uh, uh, existence is based on the you, you, Angelion. We call it the evangel, the gospel, the good news. That's what that is. It's EU plus Angelion, which is the good news. So, a eucatastrophe is that which has looked horrible, looks like it's done, and all of a sudden, boom, but God does something and it becomes a eucatastrophe. And so, we have to tonight think about those and uh, see what's going on. A eucatastrophe ultimately is only applicable to God's people. For everyone else, a, a genuine eucatastrophe never happens. Because the final eucatastrophe is going to be when Christ returns, judgment day, and we're delivered. You know, we're, 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 we're there. That, that's the, the one. Uh, the world is in bad shape since the fall. It's been under threatened judgment by God. And just and right and good judgment that should be there. And we're all waiting for that big catastrophe, that boom catastrophe to happen. In His mercy, it's not. There have been plenty of little catastrophes, and the flood was a big one, but it wasn't the final catastrophe. It figured that. Now, into the uh, pronouncement of judgment in Genesis 3 is that first hint of an EU, of a U, of a good. And that's, he says, from the seed of the woman will come one who will crush the head of the serpent. 
And that's the first promise of the euangelion, the good news of the gospel. Uh, now, the great catastrophe that the Bible refers to over and over and over again is the exodus. God's taking his people out of Egypt, bringing them into the promised land. They have to go across the Red Sea and across the desert. Uh, it's the example par excellence, and it's referenced again and again and again. Well, what did they learn from it? If we put up Psalm 33, uh, 6 through 7, somewhere I have a copy of this. Do we have it up there? Yeah. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness. So a horse is always a false hope for victory. It's never a good thing. Uh, deliverance comes from the Lord. And a horse simply means human strength, some kind of created strength that you trusted rather than God. Now, this is shown in, in Psalm 20, verse 7, uh, which they're going to fling up there. We must choose in what or in whom we will trust. Remember the song that they sing when they got across the, the, the Red Sea? Uh, the horse and his rider have been thrown into the sea, and those who are riders are those who trust in the horse. So the horse itself, human strength is going to be done, and those who are riding on human strength, they're going to be done, cast into the sea. So some boast in chariots, some boast in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. You need to have your hope based there. That's where we need to be. And uh, where do you end up when you end up in the sea? You end up in the chaos of human, the human fallen condition, and it's lived out in eternity. That that's where you're, that chaos and the judgment and all the darkness and bleakness of human fallenness is where you end up. That's not where you want to be. Well, what do we need to learn from all this, and what do we need to know from this? Here's a good word from Isaiah, chapter 31. Uh, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, and trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. So we need to hear that, learn from this, that woe to those who go down to Egypt, back to the old way, and rely on horses. We don't want to do that. Uh, we need to trust in the Lord. Uh, we need to look to Him. We need to wait on Him. We long for a catastrophe to happen in our lives. Is it reasonable to think that such a catastrophe can happen? Well, there's a good, good verse in Psalm 147. It says this, God does not delight in the strength of the horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man, that is, the strength of a human man. The Lord favors those who fear Him, those who wait for His loving kindness, which we already heard numbers of testimonies about tonight. The Lord does that. Uh, so, when we say catastrophes, we're all here waiting for the great catastrophe to happen. When Christ returns and all are brought before Him, remember what it says. We're, we're, by the way, for you guys from across the street, we're memorizing Psalm 2. And uh, uh, we're at the last verse. This Sunday we'll memorize the last verse. It says, uh, now take warning, O judges of the earth. Uh, no, now show discernment, 
Now therefore, O king, show discernment, take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry and you perish in the way, uh, for his wrath may soon be kindled. Behold, blessed are all those who trust in him. How blessed are those who trust in him. So, you know, there's always this, behold, his wrath may soon be kindled. That's the wrath of the Lamb. And uh, that's always hovering over, over us. And we know we're delivered from the wrath of the Lamb because we know that he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah who's conquered. Now, I'd like to give, I'm running out of time, but uh, I want to give another great example of a catastrophe from the New Testament. Uh, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And he was up in the northern part of Israel in Galilee. They were down here near Jerusalem in Judea. And they sent word to him that Lazarus was very, very sick. Now, when he heard that, what did he do? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister uh, Mary and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus stayed up in the far north country of Galilee two days longer. Why? Why? So, he died. That's why. He didn't want to get her too soon. Right? I mean, that's, I don't know how any other way you can take that, that verse and what it says. He stayed there two days longer because he loved them. And that's going to bring great distress in their lives. So, when Jesus eventually comes back down, Martha runs out to meet him, and here's what Martha says. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, had not tarried two days longer up there, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now we're in this catastrophe. This bad stuff's happened. Now, Martha, we know, was not the spiritual one, right? We're all Marthas. We're not spiritual necessarily. But Mary was spiritual. Some of you are Marys. What did Mary say when she saw Jesus? Mary said to Jesus, because she goes out to meet him too, Mary said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, same thing. So, how does, to, to some degree, they're a little bit like the uh, Israelites coming out of Egypt when they said uh, to Moses, you know, did you bring us out here to, to kill us? To die in the wilderness? We, we should have stayed in Egypt. And they're saying, well, Jesus, if you'd been here, if you'd been where you should have been, he would not have died. So, you're, the fact that you were not here caused our brother to die. What, you know, there's this, this sort of inherent objection to him about that. And of course, we know what happens from that. Uh, Jesus had told him he'd, he'd be all right. And he's the one who goes and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus rises from the dead. And that was a catastrophe. Now, Lazarus is going to die again. He's going to die and stay dead till the resurrection, as it were. But uh, he showed them that he's in charge of all things. And that even if the worst thing happens... God will watch over you and make sure you come through and will take whatever catastrophic event happens in your life and turn it into a, a you catastrophe. That's what we want to know and stand on and live in this day and age and this Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for that he takes our catastrophes and makes them you catastrophes. Now, uh, the greatest you catastrophe of all time is uh, the one found in uh, Acts chapter 2 is where Peter describes it. Men of Israel, this is Peter on the day of Pentecost, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death catastrophe, catastrophe, catastrophe. But 
God raised him up, right? But God raised him up. You catastrophe out of catastrophe. And it was all done according to the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. It was hard to tell them that during the three days while he was in the grave, right? And there are all kinds of places. And sometimes we're like that. And because we're human, we're, you know, we're not spirit all the way either. So we have this great text from 2 Corinthians 8, 9. But you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that is he, in the very thrones of heaven, though he was rich, yet for your sake, for your sake, he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich, that you might have all the fullness of God, all the hope and expectation of God with you. We have to hold on to that. And that then leads to the final exhortation from James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials and tribulations. Right? What's your first emotional response to trials and tribulations? Lord, how come you're doing this? Right? If you'd been here, he wouldn't, you know, all those things. We do all those things. And, and we're, we're human, we're flesh. But we want to try. Part of our, our you know, progressive sanctification is, is that we, by God's grace, purpose that when those things happen within our lives, our first emotional reaction should be, well, God, where are you? I trust you're in this. This is hard. Where are you? You know? I'm looking for you. Those who wait on the Lord will gain news. Now that waiting on the Lord is that, Lord, I'm waiting on you. Help. And I trust that you'll take this catastrophe that is before me and make it a you catastrophe. And to some degree, all our lives are testimonies of you catastrophes. All of us are wrecks. All of us were lost. All of us were like sheep gone astray. And God, in His mercy, reached down and made us His own, and took wrecks and made us His, changed us, transformed us, and we live differently, we think differently, we speak differently. We have a ways to go, but man, we've come a long ways as well. And God is working a catastrophe in your life, in our lives. And we give thanks to Him for that. Amen.